All right, you ready to get this thing started? Let's get her going. All right, let's go. The 352, the 352, the 352 podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the 352 Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Johns. And as always, we got what's left of him anyway, Mr. Jonah Hyatt. Well, you're going to have to kind of bear with us on this one. We're both just coming out of COVID, so a little bit of sniffly nose. and I'm losing a lung over here yeah. already. <laughs> oh, it's it's been a miserable five or six days for us. So. Yeah, going on, week, going on a week and a half now. Yeah, it's it's been terrible. But uh, I got over mine pretty quick. So I felt bad Monday night of last week and we did a podcast last week of us just shooting the shit about this. I didn't feel too bad, but this cough and stuff has gotten a hold of me now and Yep. It's like <clears throat> I got smokers along over here. Yep. Which I I knew last week I was coming down with it, but then finally there on Thursday I tested tested positive and then I wasn't that bad Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but Sunday it set in and about killed me there. Yeah, Sunday I, night, Monday, <clears throat> and then into yesterday. And finally, yesterday afternoon, I finally started getting my feet back underneath me. Yeah. Now, I've been, like I said, I was good, which I didn't have a choice last week. We had that hayfield being planted, and I had to go to work. <clears throat> but it was miserable the whole yeah. time. Oh, yeah. So... That's about all we've had going on this is just trying to get over COVID. But other than that, that's you like you said, you had to hayfield and then I tried to go to Georgia but really couldn't do much up there. I was sick and then we're having trouble with that piece of equipment that we got rented up there, so we piece of shit. Yeah. It's terrible. They're they're actually gonna exchange us a different one out. Should be there in the morning, so hopefully this weekend when we go up it'll be we can get some stuff done finally. I'm hoping we do something. I don't know. That was a disaster. But luckily, you know, luckily I got hayfield planted, and we just we just rode down there and checked on it. Yep. And it's coming up, so I'm yep. happy to see that. That was that's a big burden off my shoulders there. I get through Georgia this weekend. We got a dozer coming Friday, mm-hmm. so I'll get on a dozer, and you get on Treco, and we'll get this pond built. We'll get kind of try to get caught back up in Georgia, and then after that, I got. Uh, <clears throat> a week in New Smyrna at my condo, and then Jordan goes home, and after that, then I might go back to Georgia and help you that last weekend, or yep. just trying to figure out, I got to get hay cut. Yep. That's our biggest, If that's the only thing that kills me during hunting season, is hay season. Yeah, but with down here with the brain, you mean, you do get a lot of breaks in it, that you can get out and do stuff. It's well, just... it, if it was anything like last year, we didn't get to cut till September, October, yep. if you remember. Because yep. I was going to Georgia hunting, and we were cutting hay in the middle of the week. Yep. And usually we try to cut hay in the middle of the week and bail on the weekends. But this last year, I was trying to go to Georgia and hunt, which worked out for me. And plus, on top of that, I had that. <clears throat> I was up there in that Fernandina Beach job, and yeah, it uh, which helped me a lot during hunt season. The only reason why I was so successful last year was because of working in Fernandina, because I leave Thursday night and go to Georgia. Yep. And then I'd stay all the way there till Monday morning. Yeah. So, so. But we'll get it. I just got to get some hay cut, get some hay up. Jonah's going to have to help me this year, whether he likes it or not, because my dad's <laughs> got to get a full hip replacement end of August. So yeah, that's going to put me down a tractor man. So I got to pick up a tractor man to get in there and help me get it up. Yep. Get that done. And 
we'll move on to start hopefully putting something with some horns on the ground yeah i know everybody's really thinking about that and you just went to that um expo down there in lakeland which probably got you ready to hunt for sure yeah i got go down there and see everybody and talk to a few guys and got to meet peter and florida camo and some of them other guys and yep. newt and turtle and all them guys super super cool guys super good people families are good the wives are all there super good people all all the way around good product too yep. we got a couple hats and shirts and shit my jordan my youngin he he wore i got him a shirt in a hammock pattern he wore that thing for three days couldn't get it off of him yeah finally had to take it from him so i go wash it he wouldn't he didn't even care we got we got in the truck we got in the car down there in lakeland coming home and he goes can i put my shirt on and i said you ain't gonna worry about washing no nah, i don't care pulled a shirt off put that shirt on wore it sunday monday tuesday finally tuesday afternoon i had to take it from him <laughs> yeah well and this episode's gonna kind of tie into the florida camo to florida hunting and everything our guest this ep- episode can it'll fall right into kind of all that yeah we are trying to do this once and then he couldn't hear us and lightning struck yeah in this place knocked us out yeah so it was a disaster we'll go <laughs> But anyway, before we get to the guest portion, we'll go ahead and jump kind of into our questionnaire. Sorry, become my favorite segment. <laughs> so, the first one we'll go ahead and um, one of our followers on Instagram he was asking where he think where we think our podcast will be in for say a year from now. Hopefully, up and up from here. Absolutely, you I mean? I want to be able. I don't want this thing to be a short term venture. That's no. my biggest thing is. is <clears throat> even if we run out of stuff to talk about or people to talk to <clears throat> we gotta keep making that effort to keep going forward yeah. with it and keep reaching out which we don't have to reach out as much anymore with people wanting to come on our podcast but I want to be able to keep it relevant and keep it exciting to keep it to where people want to listen to I don't want to become you know a, a dead beaten dog where yeah. nobody listens to it anymore absolutely yeah and that's you mean we're this is actually this will be episode 20 so you mean we we're definitely striving and we're yeah when you told me what our numbers were earlier today it blew me out of the water yeah which you mean that's everybody that listens we we appreciate everybody that's listening and everybody reaching out and stuff and i know we i posted on our instagram there that we kind of delayed on activity and stuff because of the us having covid you gonna make it over there so, but we had a handful of people reach out to us and make sure everything was going good and everything. So we really appreciate all that. So we definitely will, we'll keep them coming. If everybody's going to keep listening, enjoy it. We, we got this far, we've got a handful of good feedback and you mean, we, we're starting to get some guys that for say want to come on and then we're getting recommendations from other people that like, Hey, you need to get this guy. You need to get this guy. We'd love to have him on. So you mean, and what you this weekend you were down there at that expo and you I mean you got some recognition down there also didn't yeah, you just be me by myself walking around with you know people there was two or three people that you know the outfitter from texas you know vista outdoors he he mm-hmm. knew who he, i just walk around and he looked up see me and was like hey are you, you podcast guy i said yeah and he goes hey i mean i listen to your stuff and super super good guy and uh super nice guy and he's just over here summer and right now he's actually he flew back to texas there monday morning 
mm-hmm. to go back over there. But, you know, he said, hey, anytime you're out here in this area, give me a shout. Talk to him. Talk to, uh, I think, Cinco Brothers Outdoors. I talked to that guy for a second over there and talked to Peter and all them guys. And <clears throat> like I said, there was a good three or four people that I seen down there on a Sunday afternoon, which I went down there. I wanted to go down there Sunday afternoon for the main well two or three reasons one we were all sick and we were all on uphill stride and i wasn't trying to kill anybody by going down there saturday or friday and just beating through the crowd and two i knew i'd have a better chance of talking to a few people that i wanted to talk to down there on a sunday than say friday or saturday because there's ten thousand people in there on saturday and if you go down there on a friday you might be able to or go down on Sunday, I was hoping to get down there where I could get in there and actually have a conversation and not just trying to fight your way through there. Yep. So it worked out good. I mean, you know, one of these days we might get big enough where we can get a booth somewhere and go down there and hang out and shoot the crap and meet everybody type deal. But yep. until then, we'll go hang out with everybody else. Yep, absolutely. So let's, that kind of, I per se answered that question. You I mean, we, like I said, we, hope to just keep growing you I mean if we grow if we grow in the short amount of time that we've grown and then put it in a year's time you mean we will definitely be doing yeah, we're, really thick. we're less than six months into this yeah we started right right before turkey season so that would be probably first of march i think when we got yeah. started so yeah we it definitely was slow starting yeah but it's taken off yeah, the last probably three or four episodes, I mean, we've had some really good guests, and then just, you mean, we're starting to get traction and figuring yep. it out and stuff, and it's a learning curve, and people are starting to want to listen, so definitely, you mean, we appreciate everybody yep. that listens. I'm going to so. keep going with this thing as far as the people that listen to us and let us go. Absolutely. And so. we get through this Georgia thing, which I've told everybody we'd come hang out with them, which we will. Yeah. But we got to get through this Georgia pond building experience absolutely episode debacle that's going down right now we get through this nightmare then we'll we'll go start you know i told like i told john i want to go see brothers outdoors before both season starts and like get her and see huck up or emil creek and stuff like people that are close to us at least go get to go see them guys this year then maybe next year we'll start branching out yep absolutely so one more question for this one um guy asked What's your five go-to things you do for antler growth? He said he uses minerals out during velvet. What's your What's your take over there, coffee? Well, let me clear my throat here. I'm going to go light me another cigarette here in a minute, even though <laughs> I don't smoke. Um, minerals are good. Minerals. So we run a salt, a trace mineral, and a range mineral. Mm-hmm. And they're all basically the same, but we run the same operation on our cows and we do the same thing. We do loose mineral and hard blocks of mineral. And what we'll do is we'll take an axe and bust up white salt blocks and trace mineral blocks. And then we'll take um, range mineral and say per se cattle mineral and we'll mix it all together. And we even get that lucky buck mineral. Trophy, trophy rock, I think. We also get trophy rocks, but each one of our minerals sites my dad's a master of smorgasbord shit <laughs> so we'll get four or five different minerals out it don't matter it'll get four or five we get trophy rock every year 
um, Lucky Buck every year, and then we'll get a range mineral, cattle mineral, and then, like I said, a, a trace mineral block and a white salt block. And we did we tried sulfur a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and they did all right. So we'll do a mineral in turkey season. That's when when a deer lose their horns. That's whenever you got to be feeding them mineral, and the does are starting to get early heavy bread at that point. So turkey season is when we really start pouring it to them. Dumping mineral out there the week before bow season ain't doing you a damn bit of good. No, nope. So that's we we start turkey season, which we have existing mineral sites. We just freshen them up every year yep. through turkey season and early summer. So we do that. Then I keep um, forest draw on them all year from end of turkey season through probably right around bow season. I'll start I'll start drawing up the forest draw protein pellets and start going to the roasted corn and soybeans. Yep. But I'll run that on them and then some sort of green foliage for them to browse on. Which the last couple of years I've had brown top that's been reoccurring. This year I planted soybeans, peas, and brown top, and the peas and soybeans made about a week, and the brown top still standing. So that tells me that I gotta maybe plant everything in brown top. Yep. But um, that in the off season, and then believe it or not, cameras work because then you start getting a really good index of what deer you do have and you don't have. And you start being able to <clears throat> get a game plan of what you want to try to save and what you want to try to get rid of and some that might want to call out, some that you think, damn, if I could give him another year, he'd make a really good buck type deal. And and so really monitoring them cameras in the off season will make you, in my mind, more successful and productive in the during the season because then you'll yep. have an idea of, you know, when that buck walks out, you'll say, all right, I've already aged him per camera, and I already know what he was, and I already know what he is, and, you know, he needs to go, or maybe I need to go ahead and take him out, or, I mean, he's going to be a hell of a trophy or whatever, but, like I said, I like to run. That's the biggest thing, and then low pressure. I don't go up there and just ride a four-wheeler around every weekend if my buddy's drunk. It's yep. one of the things of stay out. When it's off season and you're out of there, stay out of there. Yeah, there, it ain't no reason for you to be in your hunting woods, right? Which I I get it. Deer don't per se. They do. When, if if, a, if deer are used to four wheelers, then they're used to it. And but they won't. I don't feel like that deer will ever get used to that early morning, late afternoon fuller from where you're camping to your tree stand i just don't feel like don't pick it up every time that before daylight they will just they can't it won't work we've had an old lease where them guys would ride their four-wheeler morning and night to and from camp to to their stand and not granted they'd stop a couple hundred yards you know eighth mile quarter mile from their tree stand yeah but you you think that sound stops Right no. there. And deer hears that damn four-wheeler coming all the way from camp, all the way through that 1,800 acres over there, and hears you stop and get out. And it don't take but just a few – it don't take but just a couple weeks, and a deer has got it figured out that you're there. Yeah. And that's why we walk everywhere we go on our place, which mm-hmm. our place is luckily small enough that we can, you know, basically walk to the back, 
or walk to either side and except for 66 acres we'll drive over there in our personal vehicle we'll drive over there and park out there by the road on a power line and then walk down to wherever i'm going yep but i mean it's right on the side of the road so the, the deer hear a vehicle every day hundreds of times a day so yep. but that's that's another thing that i'm really big about is just stay out of there leave them alone especially during summer months unless you got a terrible coyote problem or hog problem where you need to be in there on the summer nights shooting hogs or coyotes out of there which luckily i don't have that big of a problem yep. so you know i kind of go up once a month i go during the middle of the day on a saturday or a sunday go up there fill the feeders put batteries in the camera and leave don't I don't walk around. I don't mill around. I don't look for shit. I don't do nothing. Go up there, fill stuff up, and leave. And I and that night, before dark, they're already back out there in them feeders. Yeah. Try to gate. That's the biggest thing. Try if you're got if you have to go in there, fill feeders, check cameras, do what you need to do. Try to minimize that when you go, and try to maximize the time that you go. Though, try to go that middle of the day, whenever. Generally, mostly deer are going to be yeah the heat of the day might suck for you but the deer's going to be bedded up somewhere yep not be out milling around yep and especially like you were saying right there utilize your cameras with the price of cell cameras anymore you can what you can get them for it's almost crazy just to buy a regular camera anymore because they're so inexpensive anymore for cell camera and you lessen your human traffic in the woods so you definitely i think you'll benefit by using cell cameras too so and we kind of add on to what you were saying you mean we've hunted together and we pretty much we're right down the road from each other so all your minerals and how you feed we pretty much do the same thing because i mean we figured out it works so why why are you going to do one thing and i'm going to do something different we've done it in that area for 15 20 years now we've done done the research and done done the yep. the hard trial and error of what works and what doesn't work so it that's an advantage for you guys is is i can we can pretty much tell you guys what hey this is going to work this isn't going to work yep. this is what you guys need to do this is you know maybe try this this might work might not work but it's worth a shot but it's you know like in that area where you hunted before over there that one feed that you fed works really great. well over there yep. get over here to where we're at I'm telling you, I don't care how fresh it is. That damn deer won't eat it. Yeah. I don't know if it's just their area or their surroundings or what, but you'll get over there where we're at, that 4S draw, they will inhale it. You put something else out there, even at, you know, F, FRM Farms or anybody else, they kind of just turn their nose up to it. Yeah. Shit will rot in the feeders. Yeah. So, well, I think we kind of hit on that one pretty good, but let's, I think, that's all for the questions this week, so let's go ahead and get on to the the guest this week. You stop making noise over there. Oh, God. I'm drinking beer. This is the first time I've had beer in a week and a half, <laughs> and it still doesn't taste good. Yep. So, well, on this episode, we got Ray Martin. Um, he's a big public land guy down in more of the southern part of the state. He's deep south. Deep south. But he, I think he comes a little bit more central, too, but kind of let him tell it and we'll get some tips and stuff how to maybe hunt a little bit of public land off of this one and we'll yeah people will realize then because we get talking to him about the price of cell cameras and public land wait till y'all hear how many he's got running 
oh, yep. like he runs. Yep. So let's go ahead and get on with the guest portion of it. All right. All right. Let's go. Record deer season, and I'm hooked. Me shoot and miss one right out of the gate. Katie barked damn doors. I'm coming for you. And pillowcase for that. Not absolutely My season is over. Seven yards. You better hold it like a rifle, honey. Open for a double. Bad year. Copy that. Well, this is a guest portion. Ray, how's it going, sir? I'm doing good, man. I uh, heard you guys just uh, getting over COVID, but uh, glad you guys are doing good. Uh, season's about to start uh, for public land. We actually, there's a zone that starts uh, this Saturday, but where we're hunting, we actually start Saturday, uh, following Saturday. So I'm, we're ready to roll, man. Bow's all set up, ready to roll. All we need is just go out there and deer hog whatever comes in our way is gonna probably go home oh yeah absolutely public land for sure if it's if it's a good deer or hog for sure yeah we actually got a bunch of hogs on camera not what i was counting on but we got a couple nice eights and uh definitely uh ready to give one a ride home man oh oh yeah for sure so um so yeah let's go into that kind of Tell everybody kind of who you are, and how, I know you've been hunting in Florida for many, many years, and you got a lot of experience, so definitely glad to get you on, but let's go ahead and start with how you got started in hunting. Yeah, man, I appreciate you guys uh, getting me on the podcast. I mean, I'm just like any other regular hunter. We just, uh, we just, we don't give up. Uh, that's, that's what I tell everybody, don't give up been hunting public land since uh i believe 88 uh learned deer hunting and hog hunting basically on my own my old man was just uh, a bird hunter a lot of ducks and dove and uh picked up some uh just decided to go deer hunt and hit a couple local wmas and i mean it was rough at the beginning but once we started uh well once i started getting the hang of it uh it was just uh i mean scouting is the main key that's what i tell everybody and persistent being out there don't give up just hunt as hard as you can for whatever period you can if it's a three-day hunt give it all you got and but the scouting is the main thing scouting is definitely if you do your homework put in some legwork check google maps i mean you can definitely uh that'll definitely give you a big advantage so scouting is the key is what i tell everybody yep and yep. and yeah we've been uh, i mean i say we because now me and my son but it's uh but yeah we're we're out in the woods whether when we're actually turkey hunting we're still scouting for deer looking for trails uh if we're deer hunting we're we're even looking for where is there some turkey where they're roosting so it's just a 365 uh day uh, scouting period oh yeah absolutely especially definitely where you're mainly hunt at down there in south florida that i mean you don't have the traditional like bottoms and stuff like that they have throughout the the country that you can kind of pinpoint and go these are going to be the areas I need to focus on. When you go down there, you I mean it's there's so much different terrain that you, I bet you it's a lot different for you than 
probably a yeah, lot of our, other people. Yeah, our terrain, I mean, you can, it's all flat land. Um, it's swamps. Uh, we do have pine islands, cypress, uh, a lot of palmettos. We mostly kind of stick to hunting the flag ponds, hunting near water. Uh, and we use water to our advantage. The higher the water, the better it is to pinpoint a certain area where them deers are going to use as a travel corridor. Uh, edges of flag ponds, uh, edges of cypress strands, we definitely use those the most. We'll set up trail cameras. Uh, right now, we're using all cell cameras. It's a lot easier just to run cell cameras, don't have to walk out there every week and check them sent up the area so we just put them out there where we've seen some deer or we've seen trails or a rub or maybe a scrape and then we'll just let the cameras work and that's basically what we call doing inventory mm -hmm. i mean i'm running right now 16 cell cameras in three different management areas oh my and yeah and um, we're actually adding four more this weekend and we're moving a few that we already know what's in the area. So we're just going to go ahead and kind of move them around and kind of pinpoint a couple other areas as backup, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's crazy that you run that many. But, I mean, that definitely probably influences your success a lot running that many cameras. It tells you where the deer are at. Yep. Well, I mean, the more you can actually know what's in the area – or we uh, actually, if they're not, some are not dispersed. Some are within 40 yards or 30 yards of each other just to try to pinpoint where that deer is going to be using the trail the most. There might be two or three different trails in the area, but he's going to be on one more, uh, more specific. That's what we're trying to figure out. And as the season starts, as Hunter starts pushing in or moving through the area, we want to know where he's going to be traveling the best, whether it's going to be thicker in the woods or a little bit more open, trying to figure out his escape route. And that's where we want to focus on. Yep. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I hunted a little bit down there in South Florida last bow season, and we ran a handful of cameras, and that's kind of – that was kind of our approach, figure out where deer are and then kind of lock down an area to kind of pinpoint where that, where the most deer activity is and during the right time of the day for you to be able to hunt them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right now in one particular management area, I got six running right now. And out of the six, uh, two are the most productive. And I mean, every day, every night, we got deer on them. Mm -hmm. So... But I've been hunting this management area for about 10 years now. So I really don't need the cameras where they're at. I can just focus on moving them, putting them somewhere else. But it's just basically what I call, like I said, inventory. See what's out there. There might be a deer that just comes up out of nowhere, a bigger buck. Or one buck is using that trail the most, and that's the one we're going to focus on. Yep. And... And, I mean, if he's going by there every day or at least one particular camera, there's been uh, the same buck every morning and every afternoon. So we know that's pretty much a, not a done deal, but he's in that area. As long as we don't screw it, going, screw it up going in, I mean, it should be, should be pretty, pretty good to go. 
Yep. Oh yeah. And um, you definitely. I bet you when you go into an area for say like that, and you got a deer that's coming in there, probably regular. You know that's got a pretty high deer population in that certain area. You probably go in with a lot more confidence than just going in there. Oh, no, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, blind works. I mean, I'll I'll do that every once in a while. Just find a new spot, or as I'm walking in somewhere, just find a, a fresh rub or new tracks on a new trail and you're like well you know what i'm just gonna sit here that mm-hmm. does work i mean i've had that work many times i'll take that luck over anything oh yeah so but uh but yeah if you know there you got a couple good deers in the area or a few bucks that public land i mean we'll shoot whatever is legal everybody wants a bigger buck everybody wants that big buck but i mean public land you only get three four days on a specific area so most of the times you just got to shoot whatever opportunity you get. Oh, and yeah. if, it, if it makes you happy, man, knock yourself out and shoot it. Oh, Don't yeah. worry about uh, what everybody says. Well, he's not a monster. I mean, uh, there's plenty bigger deer. There's always a bigger one. So I don't worry about that. I mean, if it makes me happy, the hunt works out great. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's what we've kind of based this podcast right here on. You I mean, we're not going to knock anybody for shooting something as long as it meets that state regulation and it makes you happy, go for it. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're not going to yep. knock you for if, it. If, yeah, if if somebody in public land hunts their butt off for an 80, 90-inch deer, I'm not going to knock them for they, – they work their butts off harder than we do shooting 120 inch deer on private property yeah and oh, that's, yeah. that's any day and every day them guys in public land are the hardest core hunters there is yep oh yeah for sure man i mean it's 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 not the easiest out there i mean you only got a, a certain you might have a four-day quarter hunt for the whole season in that that management area and now you're i mean i passed up deer i've passed up six and eight because i know there was a nice 10 or a 12 so that's the choice I made. But if I wanna, let's say I'm hunting with my son or a friend, and it just it's part of the hunt, and I harvest a smaller deer, guess what? That's meat on the table. That's what mainly we hunt for. I mean, everybody wants that big trophy on their wall, but I I love deer meat. So does my whole family. Yep. So I'm gonna kill it. Oh yeah, that's. And it's all, I mean, not, we got the same motto. If we definitely, if we're hunting public land, we feel the same way. You I mean, if it's, if it makes you happy, shoot it. If it's a public yeah. land deer, like especially if we're dog hunting, I'm going to shoot a legal buck just because it needs, to, oh, yeah. it, you know, we got so much time, money, effort, and it's just the camaraderie of everybody together out there. You know, there's three or four trucks of us and a bunch of us and the dogs. And, you know, that deer that I killed on public land, is it going to be something I kill on private land? But I work 10 times harder for this public land buck than I did for, you know, private land gets a lot of us lazy. Yeah, I mean, I've hunted private land. I've had leases before. I do hunt private up in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's a whole different ball game. I mean, up there you'll pass up several bucks a season waiting for that trophy one you got on camera or you know that's out there in that zone. But I mean, you're—it's particularly maybe two or three other people hunting that same deer, 
compared to dozens of guys trying to kill one of the deers in, in public land. And you're not the only one that's seen that deer. Even though I hear from a bunch of buddies like, oh man, I found a honey hole. Nobody's ever been there. I'm like, yeah, right. Uh, there's been plenty of people yeah. been there before you. You didn't find you didn't find the holy grail. So, I mean, that's what it comes down to. I mean, if it, that's what I tell everybody, up and comers, it's like, man, if it makes you happy, shoot it. Don't worry about what everybody else is going to say. There's always going to be a bigger one, and there's somebody always going to try to put you down. Keep your head up, and don't worry about it. If it makes you happy, you either mount it, do a euro, whatever you want. Take plenty of pictures. It's that memory of that hunt that you're never going to forget. Yep, and that's it. That's that. I mean, in public land, and see, private land like our place in Georgia, you know, we get an inventory of deer, and we can pick out which deer we want to shoot and which deer we don't want to shoot, and we want to give this one a year, and we can go out and pour corn out, feed out, food plots out, mineral out. We got, you oh, know, yeah. existing stands that's been there for years, stuff like that. And, you know, like on my place, it's just me and my dad. So we got me and my dad fighting over the same deer. My dad doesn't care if he kills a deer or not. So it's you, you get the public land, like you're saying, you've got a deer in its bone natural habitat, and you got you and 15 other fuckers out there trying to kill this one poor deer. They're not really poor deer. You got, we got one deer, and like you said, there's no such thing as a honey hole. It's, nope. Somebody's already found it. Somebody's got it. Some, you some, just somebody's been there and done that already. Yep. Oh yeah. And I mean, there's still areas that you do find, and as long as you keep it quiet, you can still just hunt it over and over. But somebody's been there and done that before you, or somebody knows the same general area. And I mean, I hunt one spot in in particular. And very few people, and the ones that do do know about it, I mean, we all know each other, and we all keep it to ourselves. And, yeah, it does work. Uh, and every year, it's pretty much successful there. Yeah. But you got you to gotta play that game. And I think, I mean, it's it's very much a tool, and I think it's it'll help your success. But I think it could hurt you also that – you mean, like, for, say, your instance that you've been hunting these public lands and stuff for many years before all this online mapping come out that's so easy to access on your phone that you've had to put your legwork in and actually get out in the woods and scout and everything that a lot of people um, can look at it on a map and find nowadays. So, oh, no, yeah. I mean, nowadays you can't compare it. 20 years 15 20 years ago that you had to go out there and walk now you get on google earth or any other hunt stand onyx or whatever and you can pretty much pinpoint uh like pinch points between some cypress edges or pine islands and nine out of ten i would say i can pinpoint one hunted a couple days and i can almost guarantee something will pass by to to get shot yeah. So it's a lot easier nowadays than, than many, many years ago. I mean, you can use in some areas drones for scouting, mm-hmm. which it's a, it's a great tool. I use them. Mm-hmm. And it beats uh, it's sitting in the truck 
and you're flying a drone around and you're actually seeing deer in certain areas just from sitting in your truck and air conditioning, looking at your phone or whatever remote control device you got. So whatever advantage you can use, I say use it as long as it's legal. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, our technology now compared to 15, 20 years ago, I mean, we have, we still, we have a higher advantage in technology, but I mean, them big old bucks or deer, you can't fool sometimes. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. And it's so you like, still gotta, you still gotta hunt them and figure them out and, and kind of trick them. Uh, that's, that's where we come in with knowledge and, and been there, done that. We screwed it up before and figure out how not to do that again. Oh yeah, for sure. And like going off of being able to use maps and stuff like that, because we run we run dogs up here. I've been running dogs ever since I was a child, and I've got Jesse in and on it. And we now we've started using these Garmin's and stuff to track our dogs and everything like that. And you I mean the dogs run, the deer run a certain ways on these properties for years and years and years, and then now we get to use these Garmin's. And they they also have a Google Earth map, and um, you can start seeing why the deer run the way they do. It's either got breaks and ponds or. Oh yeah, sight. I mean, there then you'll start setting up more in those uh, those areas, and it makes it a lot easier for the hunter. Yes. Oh yeah. Those so are, those are those escape routes, basically, that you didn't know about or might not stumble upon. But now with that technology, now you're seeing where all the deer, where the dogs are chasing the deer to, and they're doing that over and over. So now you're going to set up somebody that way and make it a lot easier. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I feel like with all these apps and stuff like that, you mean people are starting to branch out a lot more and starting to hunt areas that they haven't never hunted before or they've they don't want to travel to because just it's so unknown but now you can just sit on your computer and just kind of look and see and you can almost know a place before you get there oh no of course i mean you can see what's the perimeter uh maybe private land um you'll know exactly the line of where that management area ends so you won't be trespassing and you can actually the grass is greener on the other side so you'll you'll find trails that lead into those private lands, and you hunt those trails on the on the WMA side, and you'll get plenty of game working back and forth, and they're growing big deer on that side, and they're passing them up, and as soon as they come over to public land, it's game on. Oh yeah, edges so, yeah, are yeah all the all the new gadgets. I mean, use them. I tell everybody, use them to your advantage. And uh, and and definitely will will get you on game. Yep. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely changed the public land hunting for sure. All the different aids and stuff that you got, as far as cameras and apps and drones and all that. Oh yeah, I mean just by marking areas by where you have your cameras, where you got your trails, you can go back and sit down at your house and kind of figure stuff out you can see what's what area is producing more than another and maybe down maybe after the hunt starts 
you'll start getting more action on another camera and that's where the deer been getting pushed at or that's their comfort zone now so that's why i said run game cameras and and use it all everything you got everything you can use use it oh yeah absolutely so um we had another guy on the podcast earlier on in our episodes and we asked him about this because i've never seen it before but until I went down to South Florida. What's your take, and have you experienced much of it, the guys that will ride around on the back of the truck in some big tower in the back I of mean, I I we use that as, I don't have, actually I did have, I didn't have a tower. It was more of a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. But our terrain, it's pretty much great for that. It's just like out west. I mean, you got a lot of open areas, pastures. So if you have a good road system and a management area and you can cover more ground driving and spotting animals from a higher advantage, we do mostly drive behind the truck. And like our scouting, we we already got a couple bucks pinpointed that I'll sit maybe an hour just watching them work in a pasture, which way they're coming in and out. Mm-hmm. And that's our pre-scout. During the season, we'll drive that same areas and just glass the open field. Once we do spot that deer, we figure out how to put a stock on them. So to me, if it's legal, use those tools. There's nothing wrong against it. Some other guys are bent out of shape because, well, that's not the traditional way. Me personally, it's adapt and overcome. If that's what's going to take to kill a deer or you're going to see more game, use those tools. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, you, if we're sitting like in archery, I barely I barely sit on a stand. Depends on what management area. Some I'll sit on a climber. Some I'll just drive the same way most of these other guys have done. We'll just drive and spot and stalk. We'll see them from far, figure out how to creep up on them and shoot them. But you'll we'll see probably 10 15 bucks in a day compared you might be sitting on the stand for five six hours and not see a damn thing yeah so me personally i'd rather drive in archery yeah now muzzleloader gun then i'll sit but i'll sit in open fields that i have a big view mostly over a thousand yards i'll sit on a good game trail but i have that advantage over a thousand yards if that deer, I see one taking another trail going away, I'm going to get down, go downwind from him, and try to kill him. Yep. Oh, yeah. And I think what we experienced, too, because, I mean, I've never really hunted down there a whole lot, so I was hunting your traditional um, tree stand setup, climber, everything like that. But we also seen the, the later the hunt got, so like the third, fourth day into that hunt, we started seeing a lot more deer because majority of the people that was hunting that management area was out on the road and everything like that. And it was, I felt like it was pushing deer away from the road closer to where we were hunting at. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll get both, both, both ways. I mean, you'll get the deers that'll get pushed in the woods, but then you still have deers that will stay on the edges and I mean, you'll drive right by them and they'll be bedded down at 20 yards from a road. Mm-hmm. So they're just moving constantly. And yeah, I know which 
there's there's like one, two, three. There's about three or four down here that a lot of people drive. I drive probably three of them during archery, and I mean I've been killing. I've killed probably fifteen, twenty deer in archery just doing that. I mean Dang. I just yeah, I I can't sit in archery in these particular areas knowing that any any turn around any corner there could be a buck standing at 20 30 yards or maybe 100 200 300 and then i just got to figure out how to creep in on them and shoot them yeah so i i rather drive and have that 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 whole advantage of basically the whole day or half a day remember you only got three or four days to hunt these areas so make the most of it so yeah we we do drive and i'll drive it i got nothing against it and then people's like, well, it, it spooks deer. It's like, well, it could spook deer for you. It could spook deer for me. I can push a deer towards somebody sitting on a stand, vice versa. So it doesn't make a difference. So oh, yeah. I got no, I got no issue with it. But there, yeah, there's a lot of older people or the more elite. They're like, oh, I'm against it because that's not the traditional way. I'm like, dude, whatever is legal. If it's legal, don't knock somebody else for it. Just like some guys say dog hunting, it's not the right way. It's like, dude, it's a tradition. Some guys will hunt with a buggy. Some guys will hunt with an airboat. It's a tradition. They've been doing it for 30, 40 years. Don't, if it's legal, don't knock somebody for doing it. Your oh. way is not the only way. That's what I tell people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you I mean, I, the whole thing about driving and doing a spot stock on a deer, if you can put a spot and stock on a deer – that's you're doing something still you're still hunting you're still oh no it, it's 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 a lot harder than sitting on a climber on a trail oh yeah. i mean you're you're working all day you're in the sun then you got to figure out how to creep up on a deer close enough to to put a shot on them especially in archery so definitely spot and stock is not the easiest thing in the world I mean, it's easier to sit on a climber on a trail and, and shoot something from your climber or on a regular ladder. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, you're sitting there nice and chill all day when you're driving around or spotting stock. I mean, we'll walk a couple times, uh, maybe a mile or two, just around different uh, trails and, and oakheads just to see what we can bump into as they're feeding and all that. And, yeah, it's a lot of work, especially down here. I mean... August 6th is our opener. It's going to be by 9 o'clock. It's 90, almost 90 degrees. Oh, yeah. In the, after, in the afternoon, you're walking in 100 plus degrees already. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, it's it's work. And it's not easy. Yeah. And, and it takes a skill to do some, some stalking. Oh, yeah. And that's, and that's what I dealt with last year. You mean you – traditionally, you mean me hunting – in the fall and stuff you try to minimize your sweat you try to go in as easy as you can but you I mean when you get down there in that terrain you're, nah, you're not gonna yeah. have that scent control down here don't even worry about it by the time you get off from the from your truck and take 20 30 steps you're already sweating so scent control is out of the window so just hunt with the wind in your favor or hunt high up on a climber and don't even worry about because I mean, by the time I walk 80, 100 yards, I'm already sweating. Yep. I smell like that skunk ape out there. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not worried about scent, man. Yep. 
What um with archery season coming up, what is your um what kind of bow are you shooting and what kind of set like what kind of setup you got? I shoot a Hoyt. Um it's a seven pin setup, sixty four pounds. Uh shooting like a three three oh one chronograph, not what everybody just guesses at it. Yep. Or does their math it is chrono with that three oh one. Uh hundred and a hundred grain range. Uh, those rage have never failed me. Whether it's the original or the chisel tip, to me, they all work. They work great. I used to shoot uh, fixed broadheads, but uh, the expandables. I mean, those things they they require very little tuning. I mean, they're pretty much out of the box when you screw them on. It's like a field tip, so they shoot great. I love them. So that's that's my. And for my setups, a lot of stalking, I use a seven pin from 20 all the way to 80 yards. I was going to ask you, what, what, is your, what is your farthest comfortable shot on a really good buck? How far will you stretch it out? If you see a good buck out there at 100 yards, will you try him? 100, no. 80, yes. A 100% comfortable 60 yards, I'll take that shot with, without even thinking about it. I mean, we practice at our archery range all the way to 90 on real 3D scenario through the woods, through branches. Uh, we do practice all the way to 100 and some oddball ranges, 93. We don't shoot the typical 20, 30, 40. I mean, we'll shoot 45s, 47, 53, 58. And uh, that way at different angles, quartering away, quartering two, that way, it's the real scenario to duplicate what we're hunting. Mm -hmm. Yep. What? Um, yeah, we, we do a lot of stupid shooting at our at our archery club. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're we're shooting through branches and and crap, but I mean, it's the real stuff when we're out there in the woods. That's you're the not going to be way to you're learn. not yeah you're not going to be standing completely uh, on a broadside deer at 20 yards on a on a perfect stance. Nope. So that's why we practice it. Yep, you got to practice it to be able to make it happen in reality. Yep, you got to practice. You, you got to practice like you're gonna hunt. Yep. Yeah. So, I've never. I don't say never, but I've never really had one of them shots that it's just been absolute <clears throat> perfect. You mean the deer's broadside? You stand up, you pull back, you let it go. Everything's easy. Yeah, I mean it does happen, but but yeah. but ninety percent doesn't work that way. Yeah. I have ninety percent um, of it. It's completely different, awkward precision and stuff that people don't really practice. And that's what I tell them. That's what I focus on my son. And for the past two years, I've been busting his ass about it. And actually, for the past two years, he's gotten it pretty damn well already because I've I've ridden him pretty hard on it. But to teach him all that, I mean, it's it's not going to be your perfect stance to shoot a deer. So I have them out there when we're actually practicing just belly crawling and how to hold the bow and then how to creep up from behind a bush, range the game, whether it's a hog, a deer, whatever you're shooting. And then that way you have a proper range and then execute that shot. And it's just to build kind of that brain memory over and over. So once it does happen in front of you, it's like it's game on it's like natural that's what you know what you're gonna do already 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think the last good deer that I shot, it was on private property, though. Um, he come out and stopped in a... He was in an opening, but if I... Because I was, I was hunting out of a lock-on, and for me to be able to shoot him, I actually had to kneel down in my lock-on to be able to make the shot and make it, because he knew something was kind of sort of up, didn't know what was there, but I was afraid that he was going to bust me if I didn't make the shot then. So I actually had to kneel down in my lock-on to make the shot. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. That's not your normal stuff, but you got to do what you got to do. Oh, yeah. It was a ethical shot, but, yeah, it was not your traditional just standing with your feet at shorter width apart and yep. broadside. Yep, yep. yep. Oh, yeah. No, but like I said, I – with our group, a couple buddies that we all hunt, I mean, some are new at hunting, some are older, and we just we just work on each other doing that, and we rag on each other hard. I mean, when we're out there shooting at the range, we're, we're doing some serious shit on them. We're doing some stupid shooting through all, I mean, five inches between branches and stuff like that. So, but that's what at the real scenario that's what will work sometimes oh yeah absolutely so what do you have with you having so many years experience in public land here in the state of florida what would you say to like a new hunter that's trying to start public land hunting in the state of florida Mm -hmm. what was what like what's your best advice to give to somebody that's starting out on public land i mean i tell i would tell them pick an area that doesn't it's not it's a non-quota go scout it put in a lot of time in it like almost every weekend be out there from from dark to dark and just get to know the area very well that's the best thing i can tell them i mean the more time you put in a particular area the better you're going to learn it and as hunting season starts you'll see where the hunters are coming through where there's some areas there's not there's less pressure and you can actually use those hunters coming in from one area to push game to you but that takes that takes time being out there to check that out the more you're out there the more you're going to learn so i would say pick a non-quota area those will teach you more because you'll know about that land and where the deer walk at a particular time easier than on a non-quota, I mean on a quota, which you're only on a four day and you guys got guys, you guys got guys trampling everywhere. Mm -hmm. So the deer are gonna break out of their normal pattern just because there's more guys coming in for that four day hunt and they're gonna be pushed out of their normal atmosphere. So I would say a regular non-quota area would be the best place to hunt. Okay. Yeah, and that- and, there's, and there's always going to be good deer on them. I get that question asked a lot. It's like, well, where's the best place to hunt? I go wherever you find a deer. Yeah. Well, where the where where's the bigger ones? I go every management area has a good deer, multiple deers, and you just got to find them. I mean, there's the small ones, there's the big ones. They didn't get big for no reason. So you just got to figure out where those are, how to hunt them, how to kill them. And maybe you might be, you might beat them. They're probably going to beat you more, but you, the more knowledge of knowing that area, the better it is. Mm-hmm. 
but I would say non-Florida area. Okay. There's plenty of them here in Florida. So definitely I've killed a couple good ones in non-Florida. And I, if I would say I would just, by knowing from the years of going to them, I won't even probably scout probably 50% of them. I would just know where to go from just 10, 12 years hunting them. Or after a year just hunting it hard, just getting to know the area and where the game concentrate the most mm-hmm. when the pressure starts rising up. Absolutely. What do you feel like, since you have been hunting public land for many years, what do you feel like the far as the, the hunting pressure in these management areas, do you feel like there's more people in there these days or you think it's kind of slowed down some? I think it's about the same you get what i see is you get that gun ho guy that goes for the first day and i mean he's really gun ho because it's opening day but then after he doesn't see anything he kind of just dies off and decides to get quit i've had that happen with with friends they'll go in there and they're like hey man we're going to this top management area and then after a day of just either driving or hunting from a stand they're not seeing anything they're like, hey, man, uh, you know what? I, I can't make it Sunday. I'm like, what the hell you mean you can't make it Sunday? I go, dude, this is, it's, we're hunting. This is, this is public land. This is not TV. Yeah. So he's like, well, no, I, I got to, he starts coming up with excuses. So I'm like, all right, bro, have a great day. See you later. Oh, yeah. Luckily, on this same hunt, another buddy, this actually happened two years ago. He might be, he might listen to the podcast. Uh, buddy of mine called me up he goes hey are you at this particular management area i go yep he goes do you have a quota for tomorrow i go nope i go my quota holder bailed on me so he's like well now you do i said sweet so the following day we actually got on a deer and by luck i tried to get him to creep up on him and shoot him so i told him which way i would approach the deer on an open pasture and then he's like, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to take a big walk around. If you lose that stock and can't put a shot on him, this was on muzzleloader, I'm going to come. I'm going to do a big loop around you about two miles to try to hit his escape route. And he actually never, he almost had the shot and lost it. Mm-hmm. And the deer actually worked his way toward where I'm at. And we kind of bumped into each other and I made that shot and killed the killed a decent eight so and then the first person i called and sent the picture was to my other buddy that bailed on me i'm like look what you could have killed yeah. he was uh he was he was a little bit upset but i kind of had to bury that in him oh yeah you have to oh yeah yep, for being a dumbass and that's the way you I mean we get it a lot um because the still hunting is not as big of a social game as for say whenever I was younger, um, us using dogs to hunt, a lot of people use that as a big social gathering. And oh, yeah. mm-hmm. that's, that was one of my, like, I was raised, my dad raised me how to hunt and stuff like that. And he was big on, you mean, I only got X amount of time to hunt. If you, we, if we want to sit around and talk, we can do that at the house in the off season. And that's right. yep. kind of how I am too is, we only got a short amount of time to do this. And people that are non-hunters see, oh, you got X amount of months, but you got to think. You I mean, 
A lot of us at work, we only got weekends. Bad weather's right. gonna x out a couple of the we or handful of weekends. You I mean I'm not saying you can't get out there, but you're gonna the chances you shoot a deer sometimes is less. And it's just so you put all these you stack all these odds against you, you mean you gotta try to maximize the time that you have and I just Well, of course, man. I mean you got let's say you're putting all your scouting time, your drive time, gas money, and then you're gonna quit on the first day of the hunt. It's like why even bother? That's why I tell everybody it's persistence. Keep on hunting. If you can hunt all day, if it's like when we do our driving stuff, I mean, I'll be out there pretty much all day. I've killed plenty of deer from 12 to 2 o'clock when everybody's sitting at the motel, chilling, enjoying AC. We're still out there, whether it's either driving or walking some oak heads mm-hmm. just to see what we can encounter. And I tell everybody, it's like, hey, man, persistence. The more time you put out there, the more success you're going to have. Absolutely. So don't, don't give up. I mean, why are you going to give up and go home? What are you going to do? Go home. You're going to go home and sit down, watch football. I really don't give a shit about football. I don't care for sports. My sport and what I've loved since I've been little, it's been hunting. I mean, hell, if if you said that, hey, I'm going to invite you to Georgia and give up your son, it's like, you got a brand new kid. (laughs) So, (laughs) no, I love my kid, so. But, yeah, I mean, hunting is our passion, man. So that's what we try to do every weekend or sometimes during the week if we can i mean some we gotta work so absolutely but yeah the more time you put out there persistence don't give up give it to that last minute don't leave home early that's what i tell everybody it's persistence keep on out there you're walking down a wood line you see another wood line another mile away take that extra hour and take a walk i mean that could be the difference whether you're going to kill something or not and that's what, that's what I do. And we're successful every year, man. I yep. kill four to five bucks every year. So. Yep. That's good. A pri- prime example of that being persistent and staying with it. This is actually a turkey hunt I had. It wasn't, re- I wasn't actually a deer hunt. I got a play. I got, I, I actually got a redraw on a hunt up here around where we live up here in the central area. And I had a guy, a good friend of mine, he come down and, hunted with me as a the buddy on my permit for that friday and um got it like the week before on the redraw so it wasn't like that i had weeks and stuff to scout it but anyway it was it was a later season um hunt needless to say we went in there and i had an idea where i wanted to go we went in there parked the truck and it was one of them turkey hunts it's just it's a just walk and scout walk and scout walk and scout and on my iphone it ended up we walked just over 10 miles that morning oh and, yeah and we got back finally got back to the truck and he was like um i think he was only able to hunt on the friday he had like his kid or something the rest of the weekend so it was and that was whenever they were still um i don't some managers i don't know if they've done this to all managed berries but when i was hunting that one you could only hunt till one o'clock and so i um it was like right at 12 o'clock he was leaving out and i was like hey on my map i seen this kind of field looking thing down this road i'm gonna go check it out just to see i got another 45 minutes i can hunt 
just yep. stay with it. And ended oh, up, I um, he left. I walked down that road and I turned the first corner on that road. And I don't know why in the world there was a the biggest gobbler that I have shot in the state of Florida was standing in the middle of the road at twenty yards. That's the way it works, man. He ended up having a um, a twelve inch beard and an inch and a quarter spurs. Badass, man. Yeah, that's the way it works. Persistence. So, and I mean, people would say lucky. I'm like, well, all right, I'll take it. Absolutely. If, if you would have gone home, guess what? No damn turkey. Absolutely. So you just gave it all your all. I mean, if hunting's over at one, especially for turkey, I mean, hell, I'm hunting till one. For sure. So plenty of turkeys get killed at twelve. So especially once once that once that ten o'clock hits, those birds the hens leave them. They're looking for more hens. That's where we come in. Yep. So if you find a bird at ten o'clock gobbling, that's he's a dead, dead bird. That's a dead bird. Yep. Oh yeah. He's he's lonely and looking for love. Yep. So yeah, turkey hunting is I, I love that one. I rather I rather turkey hunt than deer hunt. So I've, that's a whole, that's a whole different ballgame. Yep, and we'll definitely we'll um everybody comes around. We'll have to get him back on here and because turkey hunting. Oh no, we 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 can be on for turkey, bro. I mean, I ra- I rather turkey hunt than deer hunt. I love deer hunting, but turkey is it's completely different, completely different ballgame. Oh yeah, but I just feel like like right now we're all geared up for deer hunting because we're getting oh no yeah yeah we're geared up for deer but i'm still thinking turkeys oh yeah you get get that last couple weeks of deer season you're like all right i'm ready to go shoot turkey in the face yep oh yep yep for sure but yeah i I got a couple turkeys on camera right now and it's like my son yesterday he's like hey did you see them two gobblers i'm like yep you see that eight point he goes no but you see the beards on the gobbler i go (laughs) yeah i did but uh we're right now we're on deer mode Yep. He's like, damn. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, well, are we hunting there in Turkey? I'm like, yeah, we're going to be there in Turkey. <laughs> I go, they're, they're going to get shot. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I definitely, I'm the same way. You mean, it's, I'm, whatever season it is, that's what I'm concerned about. But I definitely, I'm thinking about the other one for sure. Oh, no, yeah. But like I said, I, I tell people scouting. Right now, what we're seeing on the cameras, we got turkeys. So we're still scouting. That's what I tell everybody. When you're hunting for deer, just watch the, your whole surroundings. You'll see turkeys in some areas roosting. Check that out when you go for spring. When you're in spring and you see deers in some areas, they're going to be there for your deer hunts. So it's a whole scouting. You never stop scouting. Yep. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's that's the only reason I did have – I didn't ever get um, – didn't ever shoot nothing. I got an opportunity I shot and missed, but that – public land that i come down there and hunted in south florida i turkey hunted mm-hmm. it and that's the only reason for say that i did have some success on oh yeah yep. deer hunting because i seen deer in that area and knew there was deer in the area and i just that kind of yeah that's how we mean you went down there my god the damn deer we've seen yeah during turkey season we went down there and hunted that i'm not gonna say where but we hunted a yep. really good which you know it's not secret top secret knowledge but it's we went hunted a, a really well-known place and we kind of got off the woods and found us a really good group of turkeys to hunt but while we were in the midst of hunting them turkeys i bet you we've seen 15 20 head of deer easy yep. oh yeah i mean yep. we're just running, right. running running into deer yep 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 
Well, I know where you. I know where you went, and uh, it's 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 a it's a golden ticket, basically. Yep. And they it, got it's all, it's awesome, and I mean for both, even deer and and turkeys. For turkeys, it's great. So. Yep. Oh, we seen a pile of deer, and we seen a, we oh, seen yeah. a handful of bucks, and we yeah, we got there's some good there's some really really good bucks there. Yep. So. Well, um, I mean, we've been running for about 45 minutes or so. Um, is there anything that you, on your end, you want to try to add that we didn't get to cover? I mean, I just pretty much, whichever way you guys want, whoever wants to take a particular way of hunting, just pursue it and give it all, put all your effort in it. Uh, stalking does require a little bit more stealth. Uh, patience, try to creep up on an animal, uh, figure out where the wind is going. We use one of the powder checking little bottles. Um, but that, I, I love that stalking and archery. So that's what a lot of people down here kind of focus on. And I just tell them, hey, patience, work the ground, kind of work from bush to bush slowly, watch your whole surroundings. Cause you got more, sometimes when you think it's only one deer there's a couple bedded down that you never saw if you can have somebody on that vehicle spotting for you that would work great too so definitely use all the surrounding and if you screw it up try it again and do it again man and try to learn from that mistake yep you always make every hunt i feel like every day that you go out learn something out of that hunt Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, whoever tells you that, hey, I I know exactly what I got to do. It's like, hey, man, every hunt is completely different. Every deer you hunted was not textbook, just like the one before. So if you learn, if you didn't learn something from that, I mean, you're really not doing it right. So every hunt is completely different. And we learn, we, I learned from almost every one of them. Or try to learn from that one. We had that failure. It's like, man, I should have been over another hundred yards and go maybe tomorrow I'll move over there. But that's another thing I tell people. If we're on a climber or we're seeing a deer and he's not coming our way, we're going to get down and figure out how to kill him today, not tomorrow. Yep. I don't, I don't do that. I'm going to move my stand tomorrow to where I saw him today at midday. It's like if I saw him at midday, I'm going to look on my phone, Google Maps, figure out how I can creep in the area slowly. I might not know he's still there, but he's still in the vicinity and just kind of work my way slowly and try to kill him today. If I don't kill him, then I'll move my stand to that general area. But that's the thing we do. We do get down and we'll put stocks on game and try to try to put them out immediately. Absolutely. Like the twelve, the twelve point I shot this year, I had uh, I had ten or eleven cameras on them, within a hundred fifty yards of each other, uh, in the whole perimeter, and that buck I actually walked right by him at dark. The does got up. I never saw him, and I was like, man, that's kind of weird. I knew he was in the general area. I got on my climber. I was up there, and at eight thirty, when I finally looked in the field while well, I was looking through the field but there was nothing out there all of a sudden there's a buck standing in a wide open field that's 500 yards wide and about 1200 yards long I'm like there's no way this guy creeped in from either sides he was just 
he let me walk right by him. And at 830, he got up at 350 yards. It was muzzleloader. So I checked the wind. I figured I got down. I climbed down. I belly crawled to about 200. When I got ready to shoot, I was going to shoot at maybe 120, 100 yards. He turned and started walking right to me. I shot him like at 60 or, or 70 yards. Oh, my. And, and yeah, that was a done deal. But some guys would have said, well, I'll, I'll move in on him tomorrow. It's like, no, man, I'm going to try to get down and kill him today. Yep. Yep. I mean, if I screw it up, I screwed it up. But with a, I mean, with a gun, it's a lot easier to do any spotting stock. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Anything, anything under 200 yards or with a rifle, you can go even further. Oh, yeah. And, but that one with a muzzleloader, I was going to shoot him at 120. And when I saw him turn and right to me, I'm like, well, why am I going to take a 120-yard shot when I can shoot him at 60? And hell, I, if I would have waited, he would have pretty much ran over me. So I just, at 60 or 70, I think it was, that was close enough. And that was the end of that. Yep. I thought he was a 10, and he ended up uh, being a 12. He had two kickers off his brow. That's a good so, bug. Yo, oh, man, I was I was tickled with that one. Yep. Oh, yeah, I would have definitely been, for sure. <clears throat> I would have wrecked a good oh, truck right. for that one. <laughs> yeah, after that one, I mean, my nerves got the best of me. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was shaking like hell. Yep. But that that's the thrill of the hunt right there. Yeah, you'll definitely have to – I don't know if I've seen it on your social media, but you ought to definitely send me a picture of that one. I'd definitely like to see it for sure. Oh, yeah. I'll send that to you. Yep. So um, we haven't even hit on it, but um, where can people pretty much find you on social media? And I know you do some photography stuff that I've seen on there too. Um, kind of let everybody know where they can find you, your photography well, stuff also. My Pretty much all my stuff is on my Instagram. It's Ray Martin Outdoors. Uh, you can see all the pictures on there from our hunts, some vacation, we scuba dive. So we'll post that a lot of, uh, wildlife pictures, uh, bird pictures, whatever, whatever love photography. And, uh, anytime we're either scouting, my camera's with me. And as we're hunting, I'm also taking pictures and just the whole outdoor environment. We, we, we cover all that. man. Yep. Oh yeah. And that's, Definitely, I tuned in. I try to keep up with all your stuff as much as I can because you definitely have some pretty good content there. And um, thank you. You definitely show what Florida is for sure. And I bet you people that don't live in Florida and don't know much about that South Zone, and they're seeing some of these pictures that you're posting of, you mean bucks with hard. Oh no, there's 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 a lot of people down here. I'm in Miami. They're like, uh, you hunt? Where do you hunt? I go into Everglades. Uh, there's only gators there. I'm like, no, there's deer, turkey, there's ducks. There's all <laughs> kinds of critters out there. Well, isn't that just like Georgia? I'm like, no, it's 45 minutes from our house here. You can be hunting. There's still, there's still game out here. So there it's, some people are completely baffled because what they think of hunting, is like mountains or Georgia, stuff like that. I'm like, no, Florida is pretty damn good. We yep. got some good deer here. Yep. And definitely, like, we touched on it on another episode, I think, when we had um, the owner of Lower Florida. And we kind of mentioned that you can't gauge this state to any other state, but this state has great hunting to offer. Oh, yeah, just man. By we itself. got it all. 
hell, we got Osceola's. Nobody's got them. Oh, yeah. So, but I mean, we got good deer. We got great duck hunting in some areas. Awesome turkey hunts. So, and then you can be fishing midday for bass. We got saltwater, backcountry. I mean, we really got, it's a sportsman's paradise here. Yep. And what you, and like what we even mentioned on that episode was that you just have to gauge what a trophy is in that state. I mean, you can't. You can't gauge a trophy in the Midwest to a trophy down here. You mean? Oh, no, yeah, for sure. You can't be watching TV. I don't watch much hunting on TV. It's too commercialized. But, yeah, you can't expect what you're seeing on TV on an Illinois 180, 200-inch buck, and then go hunt public land and think you're going to be shooting that. Uh, That ain't going to happen. So our trophies are... Basically, anything above 80, 90s, there's plenty of hundreds and bigger. Just those take a little bit more skills and sometimes luck. So I've killed a few over 100. So, but any buck to me, I mean, it's it's about how that hunt went. That's the trophy to me. Who I shared it with, whether it was friends or my son, daughter, wife, whoever. It's part, that's the trophy I take out of it. Oh yeah, no, for sure. That's the experience. That's that's mostly. Yep. Everything. Oh yeah, I mean, most, some of the smallest deer I've shot, I mean, fours and sixes. I got a pile of them. Those have been great memories. I mean, I'll remember those forever and ever. I got a bunch of deer on my wall, but yeah, though those I do remember. Yep. And to me, every deer is a trophy, man. Don't ever put that deer down. The one thing I hate the most when somebody says it's not a monster it's like well why in the hell did you shoot it what the hell are you looking for well i meat. well don't don't belittle that that deer man give thanks for that deer i mean you shot it take pride in it yeah that that's the one thing i can't stand man. every time i see that in a social media well it's not a monster it's like well shit what the hell are you hunting for yeah i if got you're, if you're hunting if you're hunting for a rack i mean you're in it for the wrong thing yeah one of the one one time that I really really noticed that was we, I mean I've hunted Florida. I mean I was born and raised in Florida, and I went up to a um, got an opportunity to go out of state to hunt with some one of my friends there, and my dad ended up going. It was a big group I was going, and um, we went up there, and I ended up shooting a deer that first day we were there, and um, it was so cold up there we ended up just gutting the deer and hanging it in a barn, and for the day and then we ended up cleaning it that out that later that afternoon after we got done hunting but another gentleman that was up there hunting with us he killed one too and so had both of them hanging in the barn and we went to um clean them and everything and they um they cut the back straps off and then they were going to be done with that the other deer and we're like yeah wow man hell no and what like what are you doing the rest of what are you doing the front shoulders what are you doing the hams what are you doing with everything oh no we we kill too many deer up here we don't need all that and we're like well if you're not gonna if you don't want it yeah we'll, we'll take it <laughs> we'll put it in this cooler right here and we'll take it back to florida with us so of course man i mean that that we love deer meat in our house that's what we mainly eat pretty much about three times a week i barely buy i don't buy any, any meat so we're pretty much between gator ducks deer turkey that's what we pretty much feed ourselves and I, we love deer meat, so shit, I, we're going to definitely use every piece of that deer. 
Absolutely. But yeah, I, I've seen that before, and yeah, that that annoys the crap out of me. Oh. You know that happened to that that last episode that we talked about. That remember that deer I killed at four hundred something yards over there. Well, we we were staying over at a lodge, and um, there was a guy there, my my mom's boyfriend who we were hunting with. He was real good friends with a guy that that was um, in cahoots with Mossy Oak and them, and they Mossy Oak actually owned a lodge. It's a long story, but. They they had a big cleaning facility in there and a bunch of pub, you know a bunch of private land guys come in there and they they'd clean their deer. Well, I killed that deer that morning and we were in there that afternoon and a guy killed a really good eight point and he brought it in there and they literally stripped the deer down and pulled the back straps and pulled tenderloins out of him and they were going to haul him to the gut pile after that. Wow. And we were down there. And my dad goes. Well, what are you going to do with the rest of the deer? And the guy goes, oh, hell, he's going to the gut pile. He ain't worth it from here. And my dad's like, uh-uh, leave him right here. We're taking the rest of him home with us. And we wind up cutting yeah. the hams, the shoulders, yeah, right. the neck. We cut everything. We cut him all the way down. And yep. and he was oh, a really yeah. good buck. But, I mean, he was hot. Now, granted, he was hot. They literally shot him. Put him and the guy had a big walk-in cooler and everything there. And, and uh, But that, that's another thing of... of yeah, he, he brought him in there, and you could ask my dad this this story. He he brought him in there that afternoon. It was a damn jam up eight point. Cut the back straps out of him and lowered his guts just enough to get the tenderloins out of him. Didn't even worry about nothing else and was going to throw the whole deer in the damn gut pile. And my dad's like, negative. We're taking him home nah. with us. Yeah, no, nah, we, we process our own. We do summer sausage. We'll do links. And, I mean, our the whole deer is... It's completely stripped. Yep. I mean, the buzzers, the buzzers are going to eat, but not much. Um, on a lot. Yep. But, well, Ray, we really appreciate you coming on. If you don't have really anything else you want to add to it, I think we can. Hey, man, I appreciate you guys. And then uh, if anybody wants to send me a DM on Instagram, I go, man, I don't mind helping out people. So you can shoot me a DM and. And I'll try to help whoever I can. When I started, I didn't have nobody to help me out. So I kind of bumped heads. So I don't mind giving people some, some help. Absolutely. Uh, help each other. I mean, the hunters, we got we to gotta stick to each other. Yep. So hit me up on a DM, whatever you want to do. See me out in the woods. Come by, say hello. And uh, ho- hopefully we'll hunt together. And hell, I mean, have a good time. Oh yeah, for sure. Simple, yeah. simple as that, man. Yep, and that's why we got this podcast here. We um, we try to get all these like for say you and everybody else that's here in Florida. We got to stay together too because with this state growing so much, I mean, we have to try oh, to yeah. preserve yep. the hunting land that we have. Yes, sir. So, well, yep. um, we'll definitely get back on here. We'll. Like I said, we got turkey season coming right around the corner. I know we we ain't even made it deer season yet, but we got turkey season, so we'd like to try to get you on before turkey season, no, and cool. we'll get on here and talk a little bit about turkeys too. Oh yeah, man, definitely for sure. Hey, I appreciate you guys uh, putting me on the podcast, man. Yes, All right, sir. man. Well, thanks for taking some time. I know we've been trying to shoot for this for a couple is, weeks now. And oh yeah, no, two. yeah. Yep. Peter from uh, Florida Camel took my spot, bro. That's that wasn't funny. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to give Peter a hard time about that yeah, one. Peter's so, a good guy. Yeah, Peter's definitely. He's a, definitely yeah, he's a, a great guy. He's a great guy, man. So yeah. definitely. But uh, 
yeah, that day when you're like, oh, Peter's coming off Florida Cowboy, I'm like, damn it. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was awesome. So, yep. Good yep. deal, man. Yep. All righty, man. Well, we'll um, we definitely appreciate you coming on. And we'll, um, like I said, we'll get you back on here before too long. Yep. Cool, man. Awesome. All right. All right. You guys have good luck, man. You yes, too. Sir. You too. All right. See ya. Well, thanks everybody for listening on this one. And um, we'll be back for another one. Yep. All right. All right. Let's go.